on-demand coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Wednesday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Travis Kelsey coming up. One of our favorites. Guy who's been with the Chiefs now for six years. Man, time flies. He's entering year seven. Talked to him about his time with the Chiefs. I asked him one or two Tyreek Hill questions. Tyron Matthew addressed the Tyreek Hill situation overnight. You'll hear what Kelsey had to say. I think his second answer was somewhat telling. I'll let you decide. I may have a reaction to that after I let you hear it, but I'll let you hear it in a little bit. First, I have to prattle on for a while about some of the crap that's happening in the NFL this afternoon. And I just posted before we started something unrelated to the NFL, but a little bit related to the NFL because Reggie Fowler at one point was an investor in the Vikings. Back in 2005, he initially was going to try to buy the team from Red McCombs, but Fowler ultimately wasn't able to put the money together to be the lead guy. That's when Ziggy Wilf arrived on the scene. Fowler ended up being a partial investor. 2013 or thereabouts, he had financial issues that required him to sell his interest in the Vikings. But come 2018, Reggie Fowler was the primary investor for the Alliance of American Football. And that in and of itself, based on Fowler's history, enough reason to do a full and complete financial colonoscopy on Fowler to make sure that he actually can put the money in the bank, making it available to pay players, coaches, vendors, people who own the stadiums where the games are played, especially if those people have out-of-pocket costs like UCF had $100,000 out-of-pocket that's never going to be reimbursed because the AAF has also made it clear to the creditors, don't waste your time filing a claim, there's no money. How do they come to the conclusion that Fowler's the guy? Is it possible that Fowler was the only guy they could find? That they were bound to determine to go forward with this thing And they thought, hey, if we build it, the money will come. And they ultimately realize Reggie Fowler's their best option. And, well, you know, Reggie Fowler's maybe got some red flags financially. But, well, let's just go forward because who the hell else do we have? Connor Orr has an article that takes a close look at the rise and the demise of the Alliance of American Football. And in there... He mentions that Reggie Fowler is now charged with bank fraud. Now, it's unrelated to the AAF. It arises from a cryptocurrency operation, but it injects that word fraud and misrepresentation even more deeply into the vein of the AAF and, more importantly, the cleanup of the AAF. And I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time before a prosecutor sinks his or her teeth into this situation and starts indicting people. Because you can't do business this way. You can't do business on a wing and a prayer. You can't represent to people, hey, we are a thriving and fully funded operation. Do business with us, even if it means incurring not just time, but out-of-pocket costs that we surely will reimburse because we're good for it. Now, 
you could argue, shame on those individuals and companies who believed it. But if the money really wasn't there, and if there was any concern that the money wouldn't be there, and they were holding this thing out to be a fully funded operation that had money in the bank for multiple seasons, at what point, when you're doing business with someone, at what point do you say, we'd like to do a full audit of your financial records. We want to know who your investor is. We want to know if the money's in the bank. We want to know if what you're telling us is true. See, under the law, you're entitled to be gullible to a certain extent. I mean, it can't be over the top, deliberately playing dumb just to set somebody up in a fraud. But there's no crime in being lied to. And if the AAF, through the people who are out there, marketing the league and Charlie Ebersol was the money guy and he was the guy who was saying repeatedly what a first class operation this is going to be how it's fully funded when he was on this broadcast I asked him about the decision to spread these teams out geographically why not cluster them in a regional area to cut down on travel expenses and his response was that won't be an issue Essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, we're going to have the money. And if you create that vibe, nobody ever gets suspicious. See? If you're driving around in a Cadillac, nobody's going to think you don't have money. If you're driving around in a beater like Saul Goodman, with one fender a different color than the rest of the car, people are going to look at you funny and wonder if you have money. So, if you're able to pull off the creation of this vibe that we're going to be just fine. People are going to trust you. And if you're not being truthful with these people as you obtain their trust, you got to worry about fraud on the back end. I'd love to know what they knew and when they knew it about Reggie Fowler. What they knew before they went forward with Fowler as the primary investor and what they did when, at around Christmas time, this is from Connor Orr's story, around Christmas time, the funds started to dry up from Fowler. What do you, what do, you do then? You got a decision to make at that point, okay? The guy who committed $170 million or so to this league that was going to fund it for at least a year, maybe two, that guy all of a sudden isn't able to make his payment. Okay, what do we do now? This was our primary investor. Well, we got to raise more money. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, I don't know. Start making phone calls. Start taking meetings. Start looking for other alternatives. And somewhere around this time, that's when the AAF reportedly approached the XFL about a merger. The XFL said, no, thank you. So they just kept pressing forward with what they had. And they barely had enough money, apparently, to get through the first weekend of games. And it was after that that it was about to crash into the mountain when Tom Dundon swooped in and saved the thing. And he spent $70 million of his own money before he realized, I'm out. There's no path to profit here. See, that was the other thing, too. When you characterize your business as having a three-year path to profitability, that implies, number one, you've got enough money to get to three years. And number two, you eventually are going to turn a profit. You are a business that is going to be a viable presence in the American sports landscape. 
that's the genius of having that ability to sell, to overstate, in order to essentially will into being what you want it to be at the end. And look, I don't want to name names or single out any high-profile politicians who possibly have made a career on overstating their financial portfolio. But under certain circumstances, it's bullshit, and under other circumstances, it's fraud. And there's a fine line between bullshit and fraud. And I'd be very concerned if I'm Charlie Ebersol. I'd be very concerned if I'm Bill Polian. I'd be very concerned if I was anybody in position to know what the truth was and to understand that this thing was being marketed to anyone who would listen as a fully viable business operation that would be able to pay its bills. Hey, I can pay my bills, so give me credit. It's no different than you and I going into, not you and I, you or I, you and I aren't going to do this, unless my wife's listening to this, then maybe we would, going in to get a loan. We're going to get a loan because we want to buy a house. And the house costs more than we can afford, but we want the house. And we're determined to get the house. And no matter what we do, we are going to buy that house. Then comes the problem of filling out the forms that disclose our financial situation, including our income and our assets and our holdings. And we just put in whatever we have to put in to get the bank to give us the loan. Say you make 10 times more per year than you make. Say you have 100 times more in the bank than you have. Lie about your debts. Lie about everything. Just fill out a completely fraudulent form and sign it and give it to the bank. Now, how far does the bank have to go down that rabbit hole? And I know that it's not an apples-to-apples comparison because when you're talking about approving a loan, they at least verify some of the stuff you say. But when you're talking about a big business like this, do you really think the folks at UCF, when they show up and they say, hey, we want to play these games at your stadium it's the Orlando Apollos and Steve Spurrier's the head coach and we're going to be on major TV networks and we'll pay you 75,000 per game at some point you're just going to say all right what do we got okay we got what do we got to do to have this ready okay we got to we got to set up security and we got to have this we got to have that and but you're going to pay us back for the, oh yeah yeah we're going to what do you think hey, we're we're fully funded of course we're going to pay you back see that's where the line gets crossed between bullshit and fraud that's what I think becomes potentially the end result of this. I'm always trying to look ahead. I'm always trying to see where that puck is moving. And I think somebody's going to end up getting pucked by the time this is all said and done. All right, what's happening in the NFL on this Wednesday afternoon? As I mentioned, we'll play Travis Kelsey for you coming up in a little bit. It's about a 10-minute interview. We're finding out more and more about who will and won't have their fifth-year option exercised. May 3rd is the deadline, so we will hear more and more about guys who are and aren't having their option picked up. And one today that was regarded as a surprise, the Tennessee Titans not picking up Jap Conklin's fifth-year option. We reported that. 
at PFT. Others not as surprising, Washington passing on Josh Doxson's fifth-year option, the Vikings passing on Laquan Treadwell. Remember there was that cluster of receivers, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, and Laquan Treadwell, all taken like in the same vicinity in the 20s three years ago? I don't know what's going to happen with Fuller. I haven't seen that one. Maybe I've missed it. I don't know. I apologize in advance if I've gotten that one wrong, but I don't remember seeing that. The Steelers aren't picking up Artie Burns' option. All that means is these guys will become free agents next year. And remember when the Buccaneers had Doug Martin, who, by the way, is going back to the Raiders, who, by the way, could have Marshawn Lynch back if they want him now that Isaiah Crowell has a torn Achilles tendon suffered in workouts on Tuesday. I don't know that the Raiders want him because I don't know how much they have budgeted for a veteran running back who's probably not going to play for the minimum. But remember when Doug Martin, first-round pick in 2012 by the Bucs, his option deadline decision was coming, and the Bucs said no, and he went and had a huge year. And ended up having to sign with a long-term contract. It ultimately didn't work out, but that can happen to you. That's the risk you take. And there's a reason not to do it. If you're on the fence, you don't want to do it because in that fourth year, if your pick with the fifth-year option gets injured, that money's guaranteed for injury. If he can't pass a physical by the first day of the next league year, you're on the hook for that full amount. It's one of the reasons why Washington put RG3 in bubble wrap in his fourth season. They had the option picked up for the next year. And once they decided they weren't keeping him, it was the Kirk Cousins show. So we've got a running list of all the options picked up and not picked up. Shaq Lawson not picked up by the Bills. He was a guy that was specifically drafted for the Rex Ryan defense. Some would say it's surprising Shaq Lawson was still with the team. So that 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 final decision, for any that aren't made yet, that final decision is due on Wednesday. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Because I'm looking through here. There hasn't been a whole lot more. Eli Option not having his option picked. Eli Apple not having his option picked up. Or Eli Option not having his Apple picked up. Either way. Traded from the Giants to the Saints. And if you're traded under that rookie contract, that team that traded for you still has those rights. If a guy's cut like Corey Coleman was, he was a first rounder in 2016, then that's not an issue. It all goes away. The fifth year option dies. One last point. Joe Theismann has given permission to Dwayne Haskins to wear number seven. This is such a weird story. It's not Theismann's permission to give. His number isn't retired. You sure no one's worn it since then, but that doesn't mean you need blessing from Joe Theismann to wear number seven. I, I just feel like Joe is trying to inject himself into the story. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too cynical. Maybe I'm being too skeptical. Maybe, maybe this is just Joe... You know, answering a question. I was just asked a question. I answered the question. I think Joe's trying to make himself part of the story. All right. Coming up next, interview that I recorded earlier today with one of the friends of the program, Chiefs receiver Travis Kelsey. Here's my 10-minute or so conversation with Travis. Joining us now, a man who enters his seventh season as tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs. He was the first pick in round three back in 2013. He is Travis Kelsey. Travis, welcome back. How are you, buddy? Mike, it's always a pleasure, big guy. Travis, you've got six years down entering your seventh season in the NFL. Give me the one memory that stands out for you the most when you look back on your career so far. Um, wow, that's a good question. I would say I, I have two of them. I mean, one is definitely uh, last year's 
home playoff win, first one in Kansas City in what seems to be a lifetime. Um, that was fun, man. It, the, you could tell the city was was begging for that. Was uh, they were they were live. The entire atmosphere of the stadium was 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 just off the chain, man. It was it, that was one of the funnest games I'd ever been a part of. Um, and then another one I, that I've mentioned a few times to a lot of other people is that uh, there was a Christmas game in 2000 and I believe 16 or 17. I think it was 16 um, that we played Denver and I had my entire family, my brother, everyone um, that, that's that's in my family was at the game. And sure enough, we had I think I had like 160 yards and a touchdown. And it was just uh, it, w- it was real life Christmas present for me in, uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs. One of your teammates when you first arrived in Kansas City, Jamal Charles, he retired. I saw he was with you guys today, took one last handoff from Patrick Mahomes. What, what will you remember most about Jamal? Man, um, to be honest, just how how great of a teammate he was. You know, he never uh, he never tried to make somebody feel uncomfortable, or um, he was always easygoing. He, he made sure that everyone knew that he was working, but at the same time, we could have fun while we're doing it. And sure enough, I mean the the his game uh, speaks for itself. The the how exciting he was on the field every single game, game in game out, whether it was running the ball or catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, it's, it, he's going to go down as one of the, the legends of Kansas City, that's for sure. Another guy who retired this offseason, tight end Rob Gronkowski. Now that he's gone, who has the championship belt for tight ends in the NFL? <laughs> oh, man, I, I leave that up to, to you guys. I'll let you guys do your job and, <laughs> and argue over that, man. I'm just going to try and keep, keep getting better and better every single year. Um, I feel like it's been a, a slow incline since I've gotten in the league, and um, I got a pretty good grasp of this offense at this point. So it's just um, just being on the same page as everyone else, uh, the coaches, um, all the other players, and just playing my tail off for them. That's all I can do. I'll let you guys uh, argue over who, who might have the belt. Well, you're definitely on the same page with your quarterback. I saw images of you with Patrick Mahomes at the Final Four in Minnesota, and I thought, this is a smart man. Stay close to your quarterback at all times Get, and, and support everything that your quarterback loves, and you're going to be perfectly fine with him when the time comes to catch passes thrown by him. There you go. No, I, to be honest, it's uh, it's just been a cool friendship. Um, I mean, I consider Pat a brother now. I mean, we've been through uh, a lot here in Kansas City just in the past year and two. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, he's just a good dude. You know, we, we've uh, we've been able to hang out outside, obviously at uh, the Final Four and uh, a couple other events throughout the the city. But it's um, it's just fun. It's a fun locker room. Uh, everyone kind of is together like that uh, in a way that we, uh, we consider ourselves family. And, you know, it's, uh, it's only going to build from here. When you found out he was going to be on the cover of the Madden game for this year, what was your first reaction? Oh, man, I hope they got a good picture of you. You know, cause some of them just aren't a good pick. Some of them is just, it's just not, you know, it's not fierce enough. It's not like, I don't know, electric enough, but I, I think they got a good pick of them this year. I was, uh, I was lightweight skeptic about it, uh, but I, I, I definitely approve of it. How hard was it for you to be on the sidelines of the AFC championship game in overtime with Patrick Mahomes, with the rest of the offense and never get a chance to get on the field and, and have an opportunity to make a difference in that extra session? Um, 
I mean, I, you can say it's frustrating. I think it's just, you know, it's the it's the way the game played out, you know. it's uh, Those were the rules. The rules are the rules. You know that going into overtime. You just got to, you know, um, lean on your your defense or the, your teammates to try and come up with, with a few plays and, and uh, get you, get you the ball back, but I mean, you know, hats off for the Patriots for what they did. They they stuck it out. They um they they moved the ball downfield, and sure enough, they won the game because of it. You think the rule should change to give the team that that doesn't get the ball first, that doesn't score a touchdown on that first drive, an opportunity to match? Um, I'll leave that. Like I said, I'm not, I'm here and there about it. It is what it is. The rules are the rules at this point. So whatever it is, um, we just got to find a way to win. The uh, defensive side of the ball has undergone some significant changes for the Chiefs since the end of the season. What kind of shockwaves, for lack of a better term, does that send through the roster when you start seeing guys like Justin Houston gone, D. Ford gone, Eric Berry gone? Um, well, it hurts in the locker room because one of those guys were such great leaders for us. Um, and then just great people off, outside of the locker room in in the community. But the... Um, the biggest thing in the office is uh, is making sure that um, when there's change, the I feel like there needs to be a certain uh, culture that uh, that that presents itself. And you know, I think that's the biggest thing that the defense has is it's it's got new leaders, it's got a new direction, um, that is not only in terms of coaching but in terms of players. And I feel like they really brought in some guys, some 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 exciting players um some guys that can go out there and make plays right now and uh sure enough i mean we'll all see just how great this uh this spags defense is going to be and i'm a big fan of tyron matthew he was drafted just a few spots behind you back in 2013 what's your impression been of tyron so far I mean, just an exciting guy. He's a he's one of those guys where when he walks in the lo- uh, walks in the room, walks in the locker room, you know, he, uh, you can just feel the electricity of uh, the energy that he brings every single day, and and just a just the type of life that he wants to live, you know. And it's um it's it's cool to to be around a guy that loves life as much as he does, appreciates it as much as he does, um, and wants it and wants to feed the the world the way he does. You know, he's a, he's unbelievable in the community and and back home where he's from and uh, sure enough I expect everything that he's done in the past to you know be be true and 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 come right into Kansas City yeah great player great leader great presence in the locker room and he actually addressed on Tuesday night one of the negative situations currently uh, uh, happening for the Chiefs the Tyreek Hill controversy any any thoughts from you any reaction uh, from you to the things that have happened over the past couple of weeks with Tyreek um, I would just like to stay out of it. I, uh, not, not necessarily stay out of it. I just have no comment on it. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a un- unfortunate situation to even be in. Um, and you know, you obviously from an outsider's perspective, you just wish the best, uh, for everyone and, and hopes that, you know, it turns out okay. But I mean, at this point, I'm just, uh, I'm just not going to comment on it. You get the sense among your teammates that he's just not going to be back ever. Um, like I, I, I think it's still up in the air. It's just it, everything is just kind of, um, I don't know. Nobody really knows exactly what's going on. So, tell us what you got going on with Hilo Nutrition. 
Yes, so uh, this offseason, I partnered up with uh, a great team of sports nutrition experts to launch a company um, in my off time called Hilo Nutrition. And uh, last season, I was taking gu- uh, gummy supplements during games just to keep me fueled, um, to, to get me through you know, the, the tail end of games or the second half of games uh, when I felt empty. And, and sure enough, um, I think... Uh, over this uh, course of this off season, um, me and the experts have been, have been able to put together a supplement not only for myself but for um, others. And uh, I'm excited for the opportunity to create this uh, this perfect product. And um, you know, and, and other athletes that are seeking this. You know, that I know a lot of guys get really uh, exhausted throughout games, and it's just an easy way to kind of. Um, get that energy, get that fuel, uh, so that you can finish strong. And sure enough, I mean, everything is going to be in, uh, launching in five products, uh, through Hilo nutrition, um, at every vitamin shop in June. Well, that's something we'll definitely look for. Even us non-athletes can use a little energy in the middle of the day. You get that post lunchtime crash and you want to go take a nap and I will oh, yeah. go take a nap. But then when I wake up, I'll have some high low nutrition to get me going for the rest of the day. Hey, back to the Madden thing. I-, I thought maybe your reaction would be, you know, watch out for the curse. Do you guys buy into that at all? The Madden curse? I mean, uh, no, nah, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a curse. I mean, it's just a uh, unfortunate, I think, I think every single year you have to go into the season, you know, uh, with the right mindset and in hopes that, you know, there is a little bit of fortune that comes into playing this game and staying healthy. So I think you just got to keep doing the, the right things. And I mean, there's been other players, uh, that have been on the Madden cover that haven't gotten injured and have had great seasons. So, I mean, uh, we would not expect anything less than from Pat. Well, Travis, as always, we appreciate some of your time, and we'll check out the high-low nutrition products. Congratulations on that. Congratulations on all your success. Look forward to talking to you soon, buddy. appreciate you, Mike. You guys have a good one. Thanks again to Travis Kelsey for some of his time and for including us on that media tour that he is doing. We always like having him at the Super Bowl. For whatever reason, it didn't work out this year, but we like visiting with him in person. Great guy. And he's feels like he's still kind of new to the league but he's been around for a while and when you look at all the changes that have been happening in Kansas City defensively a lot of it's driven by cap considerations and as Patrick Mahomes gets closer and closer to what will be I don't know 40 million dollar a year contract you have to wonder whether or not Travis Kelsey is going to end up being vulnerable at some point because at some point your age your ability and your cap number all come together in a strange confluence that gets you confluenced right out of town on Tyreek Hill he initially said no comment it's an awkward spot because you don't want to come off as defending Tyreek Hill but you also don't want to come off as bashing a teammate now Tyron Matthew was candid about his thoughts and I thought initially Travis Kelsey would just repeat what Tyron Matthew said but then I followed up because I know he said I have no comment but you know and I thought when I asked another question I thought he was going to say you know I said I have no comment I don't appreciate you asking me another question on it but I felt like I had to ask him, what's the vibe among the players? Is there a thought this guy may never be back? And he was very candid. It's up in the air right now. Nobody really knows. And it's odd to think one of the best players in the NFL, a guy that Sims and I think is the best receiver in the NFL, that there's a realistic chance that he will never play for the Chiefs again and the players are coming to terms with that. And that's the kind of thing that can hover over a season. Now, maybe Miko Hardman, who was drafted in round two, and can be the same guy that Hill was in time, potentially, or maybe not. Maybe that helps, but 
it adds to the challenge for the Chiefs in 2019. By the way, it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train to pass. If the signals are going and the train's not there yet, you can feel a little tempted to try to sneak across the tracks. Well, don't do it. Don't ever do it. You need to remember the trains are going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they cannot stop. I mean, they can stop. It's not like the Silver Streak, if you remember that movie, if you're old like me, where the train crashed into the station at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Train crash. If you ever watch the Silver Streak, train crashes into the station at the end of the movie. You had 40 years to watch it, so I'm sorry. Call me LaShawn McCoy. I'm spoiling the ending of the Silver Streak. Bottom line is... A train with normally functioning brakes will stop, but it takes over a mile for the train to stop. And by that time, what once was your car will no longer be your car. What once was you will no longer be you, but instead a puddle of goo. I wasn't trying to rhyme it, but I'll take it. So just don't do it. Just wait. Why are you in a hurry? You know, it's funny. And this is a completely different context, but... If you're out on the highway and you're driving and there's somebody who's like zipping through traffic and driving like an idiot, you know, in a hurry, up on people's butts trying to get by, and then you get off at an exit five miles later and the person's one car in front of you, it's like, was it really worth it driving like that? Is it really worth it to inch across the tracks? How much faster is it really going to get you to where you're going to be? So don't do it. The train can't stop even if it sees you. You can't know how quickly the train's going to arrive if the signal is on and the arm is down. The result can be a disaster for you and your family and everyone out there who gives a crap about you. So don't think about yourself. Think about them. They need you. Well, I don't know you personally. Chances are I'll guess that there's someone who needs you to continue to be alive, especially if you have like a pet. Like pets don't make judgments about who's a jerk and who isn't. So don't, you know, don't put yourself in a position where you have an avoidable death if the signal's on the train's on its way and you just need to remember one thing stop because the trains can't that is a message from our friends at NHTSA all right I I like doing ads where I actually like believe in the message when you think about it how many deaths are truly and completely avoidable I mean we're, we're all gonna pay that ultimate price at some point but like Plenty of, whether it's lightning, getting hit by a train, like like crazy things we hear about. It's like, man, it's just, if you're a little smarter, you can avoid it. All right, got to move on. Ollie Hine wants to know if I ever thought that PFTPM would reach 300 episodes. Did it reach 300 episodes? I don't pay attention. Are we up to 300? I don't know. I just show up and do it. I don't know, 40, do you think Big Ben deserves that much damn money for three years? A couple of people are saying no. Deserve? Here's what we deserve. We all deserve. We all deserve what someone will pay us. That's what we're worth. We are worth what someone will pay us. The Steelers are paying it to him, so he's worth it. He's worth it to them. They went 20 years between franchise quarterbacks. They know what it's like to not have a franchise quarterback. And part of it, too, is, and I don't know, maybe this is something that financially benefited Ben Roethlisberger after all of the the criticism that he took from former teammates. By giving him that money, you are validating him as the leader of the team. You are saying we disagree with all that stuff that people are saying. 
He's the guy. Follow him. It's a hell of a premium to pay for a guy's leadership, but it's kind of like a leadership tax. And it's not like Ben did it. Like if it was deliberately calculated by him, it's genius. Hey, I'm going to act like a jerk. I'm going to get my teammates to call me out. So in my next contract, you're going to feel compelled to overpay me so people won't think I'm a jerk and people won't think my teammates are right. If he's operating on that level, he should be splitting atoms somewhere. But there may be something to that. Now, last time around, he got close to market value. This time around, he got close to market value. New money, he averages more than Aaron Rodgers. Total value on a three-year deal, he's doing better than Kirk Cousins. And Kevin Colbert told me yesterday when we interviewed him for this podcast that Ben doesn't need the money. Well, he doesn't need it, but he sure likes it. And I got no problem with a guy making it. Make it while you can. Set up as many generations as you can while you can. If you have a marketable skill that someone will pay you for, get paid for it. We are all worth precisely what someone will pay us. And it is our obligation to maximize what we get paid by whoever it is that is paying us. Now, I don't want to get somebody fired tomorrow because they're going to barge into the boss's office Dwight Schrute style, playing air guitar, saying you will give me this raise. But we all have an obligation to our families to make as much money as possible for the work we put in, the effort that we have, the sacrifices we make, being away from home, whether you travel, whether you're just at the office for long hours, whether you work at home, but you're distracted and not available to help out with things. You know, I'm at home every day, but I'm unavailable most of the day. You have an obligation to your family and to yourself to get as much money as you can in whatever it is that you do. And I will never begrudge a man or a woman getting as much money as they can for their skills and abilities. Because you know what? Chances are, there's always more. Whatever deal you did, you probably could have done more. Because the house always wins. And there are plenty of people who aren't making as much as they should. Because there aren't enough people who are willing to say, pay me. Pay me what I deserve. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to use my leverage. I'm going to do everything I can to maximize my earnings. It's a balance. Look, you don't want to piss everybody off. You don't want to be one of those people that everyone hates because you're constantly driving a hard bargain and you can't get the work done. But there is a sweet spot where you do your job, you do it well, and you get paid what you deserve. And you should make no apologies for it, no matter how much you make, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger or anybody else. Nobody ever complains that people are making ridiculous amounts of money appearing in movies. We never say anything about it. It's the same thing. Why are guys worth this? Because we watch it on TV. We go to the games. That's why. If we didn't care about football, the money wouldn't be there for these guys. We care about it. We watch it. We go to the games. That's where the money comes from. The money either goes to them or it stays in the vaults of the owners. But we don't get mad at the owners. We get mad at the players. And that drives me crazy. All right. Andrew 1MT, are the Chiefs holding off on cutting Tyree Kill because they saw what happened with Kareem Hunt, and now he's playing for the Browns after a few weeks this year? Not saying I agree with the rationale. I don't think that's it. I don't think they care about that. I think the Chiefs eventually will cut Tyree Kill, and I don't think he's ever going to play in the NFL again. At least I think he shouldn't. I wrote about this or written. Let me conjugate right. I have written. Have written. I have wrote. I wrote, have written. 
English 101. I have written about this a couple of times. And my, my guess is, and I don't know this, but think about what they went through with Javon Belcher back in 2012. Now, that's seven years ago, but for the Chiefs, it's probably still pretty raw. You have a completely dysfunctional relationship between Tyree Kill and Crystal Espinal, already inflamed by the release of the audio last Thursday night. Hill has to feel like he's been ratted out. If you immediately fire him because of that audio, how much worse does it make the situation between him and Espinal? If you wait, and maybe there's some other evidence that comes out, and that ends up being the thing that looks like the catalyst for firing him, and then he no longer blames her. I think that there's a real risk. And, and hey, I was at the front of the line saying, cut this guy, cut this guy. Quit telling me you're deeply disturbed. Thursday night, Brett Veach, we're deeply disturbed. Friday, a statement from the team, we're deeply disturbed. Saturday, the owner of the team, Clark Hunt, we're deeply disturbed. If you're deeply disturbed, cut the guy. That was my attitude. Had a chance to think about it Sunday. And, you know, if he never plays for the team again, it doesn't matter whether they cut him or not. And one of the reasons that it's not apples to apples from the standpoint of comparing to Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt had lied to them about his circumstances. He had lied about his involvement in the incident that was caught on video. The Chiefs never interviewed Tyreek Kill. They deferred to the league because the league somehow, between the two incidents that happened, there were two police reports, one March 5, one March 14. Between those two dates, the NFL got involved. So the Chiefs never brought in Tyreek Kill. He never had a chance to lie to them. So... I'm fine with them waiting. I wasn't at first, but I am now. I have altered my position, and I I make no apologies for altering my position. I think one of the problems we have right now as a people, we lock into a position, and we fight it to the death. We never give in. You're going to pry that position out of my cold, dead hands. You know what? It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to admit that you've thought of something in a different way. It's okay for you to admit that somebody explained things to you in a way that caused you to say, you know what? I was wrong before, and I'd rather be right now. Instead of doubling down on being wrong because I won't admit that I was wrong, I was wrong. And now I'm right. It's so easy when you think of it that way. But I was wrong to demand that the Chiefs cut Tyreek Hill, and now I think I'm on the right side of this by saying, patience makes sense here because you don't want to take a bad situation and make it worse by adding extra stress by firing this guy. You can wait. All right, let's see what else we have here. Eddie Horse Sports. Everyone seems to be crowning the Browns, the AFC Central champs, while they're improved. I'm smelling a Steelers division title and possibly a two-seed in the AFC. Steelers always overachieve when nothing is expected. Am I crazy thinking the Browns are still a year away? Look, I, I called a Steelers division championship several weeks ago because I think the Steelers are going to be focused. They are going to be motivated. They are going to be determined. They are going to be pissed off that everybody is on the Browns. And they're going to be galvanized by all of this external stuff from media and the shots fired at the organization by Antonio Brown after the fact and the way Le'Veon Bell engineered his exit. I think that all is a factor. Now, with that said, with that said, I wouldn't go to sleep on the Ravens either. I think the AFC North is going to be a fascinating division this year. The Ravens are the defending champs. And they are acquiring weapons that will complement Lamar Jackson. 
and they feel good about what they've done defensively, even though some guys have left. We had Eric DaCosta on yesterday. Go back and listen to his 20-minute interview, and you may feel like I do that they're not a team that's easily going to go away this year. Sean Alvesher, how bad was Paxton Lynch for a first-round pick to never play a down? How bad was he? I think he played a down. He played some. He wasn't good. Hey, the Cowboys almost got him. The Cowboys wanted Connor Cook over Dak Prescott and couldn't get to him. The Cowboys wanted Paxton Lynch over Dak Prescott and obviously couldn't get to him. The Cowboys lucked into Dak Prescott. There isn't some magical quarterback evaluation that the Cowboys engaged in to settle on Dak Prescott. They didn't have a first-round grade on him and waited until round four because they were able to get him later. Paxton Lynch just didn't work out. We get so caught up in... And and this is one of the things I don't like about the draft. I know, I know, if you work in the business, you're supposed to like everything about the draft, and you're supposed to hype everything about the draft, and we're supposed to do videos that can go viral, that will be retweeted by the teams, saying how great this draft was, and how great that draft was, and I mean, I, I guess if we ever take PFT Live over to the Lego Network, and you know, do the show there, we would do that, because that's kind of what you have to do because it's part of the propaganda machine. But the thing that bugs me is every time one of these guys is picked, no one ever says, well, this guy's going to stink. Now, Kuiper, remember Kuiper got into the whole thing with Trev Alberts, like why in the hell did you take this guy so high and he's going to stink and who the hell is Mel Kuiper and all that stuff. But for the most part, you know, there are some, some rare examples where one of the draft experts will say, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. For the most part, it's, man, this guy's great and here's why. Next pick, man, this guy's great, and here's why. Next pick, man, this guy's great, and here's why. So that that's during the presentation of the draft by the various networks because it's, it is a, a slow-rolling hype machine that over a period of decades has grown into this monster that is now out of control. I mentioned this on PFT Live today. At some point, the draft is going to hit its ceiling of popularity. At some point, they're going to go to a city where they can't give you a shot of the street with all the people there because they aren't there. At least not like it was in Nashville or Philadelphia. So there's an incentive for the league to overstate how many people were there, to overstate how many people watched it. They're trying to make it feel bigger and bigger and bigger every year, every year, every year. And it's going to hit a ceiling. And that's okay. Sometimes it's okay just to be the size you are. You don't have to be big. You don't have to be bigger and bigger and bigger every year. But I feel like there's this urgency to constantly hype it and hype it and hype it and constantly make it a bigger and bigger and bigger deal. And it, it, it just gets to a point where if you, you understand the reality, because like once the draft is over, it's like it never even happened. Yeah, yeah, the, the teams have their new players, but the, the pomp and the circumstance is done and the players get thrown into the blender with everybody else and we just go forward getting ready for the season. OTAs, mini camps, preseason. And there'll be a handful of these guys that we pay attention to. That's how it works every year. Now, maybe more than a handful, but you get my point. You get my point. Nick Estrim with PFT Live and PFTPM becoming a staple in our household. My wife might be willing to pay for plane tickets and hotel to make a PFTPM posse meet and greet happen. I'm in a household with three ladies now, and I'm getting my wife to see the light with PFT Live. Well, thank you, Nick. But listen, it may just be the two of us. You know, that's my big concern 
Like, I love Pat McAfee. And he's got a great entrepreneurial spirit and instinct. And this guy is taking his podcast on a tour. And he's like sold out places, sold out the venue in Pittsburgh in minutes. Like, I'd be afraid that we'd do something like this and it'd be like seven people. Hey, thank you all for showing up. So, that that's, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess there's only one way to find out, but I have a feeling, I have a feeling it'd be closer to seven than the McAfee crowd, and that's fine. I, but but why do it then? That's the point. And I'm not saying, oh, oh, I'm not trying to get people. I'm not, this isn't some next level Ben Roethlisberger style marketing ploy. I'm just being completely transparent. Why do something like this when the chances are I walk through the door and it's like Tommy walking into the room where he was going to get made and there's nobody there? At least for me, I won't get shot in the back of the head. Although, who knows? Tyler Fornes, will, that was that took a dark turn. Will there be any surprises in teams not picking up fifth-year options? I think the Jack Conklin decision was a surprise. That one happened earlier today. Beyond that, i got to look at the list and see where it all stands. Will Fuller was one I'm concerned about. And again, for all I know, it's already been picked up and I've forgotten. But i got to look at the full list. Gears of Ted, if a player is drafted and then refuses to sign with that team, is he then free to sign with anyone else, or does that team hold some sort of rights to him? Here's how it works. If you get drafted, team holds your rights for one year until the next draft. And then at the next draft, you enter the draft again. And if you're drafted, that team holds your rights for one year. Unless you sign a contract, obviously. So if you want to, you can make yourself a free agent. By sitting out two full seasons. But you'd have to sit out two full seasons to make that happen. You have to be eligible for the draft, get drafted, say I'm not signing, next year, get drafted, I'm not signing, and then you're a free agent. Now, if you're not drafted at any point, then you're also a free agent. So, it's a one-year thing. And it doesn't happen very often. I remember, what was it, 2002? Ryan Sims and Bryant McKinney both held out into the regular season. There's a point where they just can't show up at all. I think it's the Tuesday after week 10. And at that point, it's just re-enter the draft. Dirtbag1327, any more info on the Patrick Peterson situation that arose and just as quickly vanished? Haven't heard anything more. It was weird. It was strange. And Kent Summers of the Arizona Republic eventually reported somebody said something that pissed off Patrick Peterson, and that's what caused that thing to flare up. But it was gone almost as quickly as it happened. Gears of Ted, will the fifth-year option be negotiated out of the next CBA? It, it should be. I don't know that it will be. Because the question becomes, what will the union give up to make it go away? Because, you know, for a lot of the players, you look at that and say, well, I don't really care about that. Well, you know, maybe you should. Because maybe the sooner these guys get to market the sooner they force teams to drive the market higher at a given position. See, here's where it becomes difficult to understand, and I don't understand exactly where the benefit lies. Because on one hand, if a guy pushes his way to the open market or to the franchise tag or a second contract without the benefit of the team having the fifth-year option to hold him in place, the more money that guy makes is less money that's available to everybody else under the salary cap. But the more money a given player makes at a given position, the higher the market goes, the easier it is for other players 
to fall in line behind them. For example, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get his deal and Russell Wilson doesn't get his deal, it's harder for Ben Roethlisberger to get $34 million a year in new money. Somebody's got to stretch that rubber band. Now, I err on the side of that argument over, well, it's just going to eat into the available cap space because the problem is you only have to spend 89% of the cap on a four-year rolling average. So you, if you want to, 11 cents on the dollar every year can be crammed into your pocket. So there's still money there to be spent. And I think the players are better off with devices that force teams to spend more because they can spend more than they've been spending. Mike likes dirt, always putting pressure on me. What if all proceeds from the PFTPM meetup event went to a charity of your choice, maybe to benefit victims of child and domestic violence? Now, now, now you're getting closer. You're getting closer to the winner here. I'll continue to take it under advisement. Tyler Esquire, would any team give up assets to trade for Laquan Treadwell, hoping they can turn his career around? I don't know. Sometimes a guy just isn't good. Sometimes the guy just isn't suited for life in the NFL. Maybe Carolina would be interested because North Turner wanted Laquan Treadwell. Remember that that was the bang 88, the Michael Irvin play, that Laquan Treadwell was that kind of guy. Maybe you could get the Panthers to give you a low-round pick for Laquan Treadwell. They they signed uh, Jarius Wright once North Turner got down there. Maybe they'd want Laquan Treadwell. All right, got to wrap this up. Look for another good one or two to, to answer. Gears of Ted, if you had to choose between Chris Ballard or John Dorsey to be your GM, who would you pick? I'd take Ballard. Sorry, John. I mean, I'd take John over a lot of guys, but I'd take Ballard. Now, you know, I don't want to declare Ballard the best GM in the NFL right now because he doesn't have a pelt on the wall, but I, he's going to. I think he will. At old takes exposed. I think he will. All right, let's find one more before we wrap up. I'm getting hungry. What time is it? It's time to go eat dinner. At Idano 40 what are the chances of Sue making it to the Cowboys? I don't think they have the money for Indomitian Sue. I don't think they have the need for Indomitian Sue. I'm keeping an eye on Sue to the Seahawks. Wouldn't that be something? After May 7, that's when the compensatory draft pick calculation no longer applies. You can go out and sign a guy without reducing your compensatory draft pick haul. I think that maybe the Seahawks... You know, he's from up that way in Oregon. Get him motivated, push his buttons, maybe use him in your rotation, in your defensive line, keep him fresh, and then unleash him in the postseason. I kind of like that. kind of like that idea. I haven't heard anything that would suggest it's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. All right, that's it. Thanks for your time. As always, we've done three of them this week. Can't make any promises about Thursday or Friday. We'll just see how the days unfold. Wait, wait, tomorrow. What do I have tomorrow? We were talking about maybe interviewing Stephen Jones tomorrow. So if we have Stephen Jones tomorrow, then we'll definitely do one. If we line up an interview, then we'll have a PFTPM podcast. I think oh, Friday we may have Mitch Trubisky. So maybe we'll have maybe we'll have five this week. I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll let you know on Twitter what's going on. PFT Live tomorrow. Chris Sims. We'll be back as always. Check us out around the clock at ProFootballTalk.com. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk soon. 
You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.